everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Tea to Green Golf Podcast. Excited about today's episode and our guest. Uh, as we all know, the doors of golf weren't always open to everyone that was a citizen of the United States. And certainly for those of us black golfers in the sport today, we understand who those pioneers are. Some of them are more notable than others, but we are honored today to have Tiffany White. As some of you may know, Tiffany is the granddaughter of the legendary Ted Rhodes. And I won't go too deep into Tiffany's introduction. I'll let her share that with you. But we're excited about spending time with Tiffany today to talk everything Ted Rhodes, past, present, and future, which certainly includes the foundation. And so without hesitation, I'm going to introduce today's guest, Tiffany White. Tiffany, welcome to the TD Green Golf Podcast. We're excited about having you with us today. Well, thank you so much, Victor. I'm so excited to meet you in person. We met <laughs> on Instagram. So right. nice to have you here in the Chicagoland area. Thank and thank you. you so much for inviting me to be a part of this great podcast. You're welcome. As Victor mentioned, I am the granddaughter of golf pioneer Ted Rhodes. I am also the president of the Ted Rhodes Foundation and lead the day to day aspects of the foundation. I am also a life member of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated, and I'm really excited about this because it's happening this year. I am going to be in the 2023 class of the African American Golfers Hall of Fame inductees. So really excited about that piece. And just a quick snippet, my background is in banking. I spent 18 years working at J.P. Morgan Chase Bank in recruiting and specifically focused on the diversity recruiting space. And I am also a realtor, I am a career coach, and full-time entrepreneur in addition to running the Golf Foundation named after my grandfather, which obviously is something that I am very, very passionate and very excited to be able to lead that organization. Wonderful. Well, thank you for that introduction. I want to make sure that we don't lose sight of the inductee on the 2023. So let's talk about talk about that a little bit. Yeah, I'm excited. My mother was inducted into the African American Golfers Hall of Fame many years ago. Okay. And I had a chance to be there with her at that ceremony. So I'm excited to be a part of the class this year. Malachi Knowles and his organization is the one that actually runs the event. So every year they induct individuals into the Hall of Fame and individuals working in the game of golf in some form or fashion. And so the event is taking place Memorial Day weekend in West Palm Beach, Florida. And so I'm really be. excited to to be a part of that class. And I really appreciate that the organization is acknowledging the work that I've done with the foundation and the impact that I've made in the golf industry. That is phenomenal. Congratulations. That's huge. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. Talk to us. Just talk to us about how and when did you start playing golf or talk to us about your grandfather and that journey into um, really into golf and ultimately being a pioneer? So just take us there. I actually started playing golf in the 90s. So I was kind of later coming into the sport and fell in love with it from that point. It's interesting having a, 
grandfather that's a golf pioneer, I knew that I needed to learn how to play the game of <laughs> <Right>. golf. <laughs> but the other aspect of it is people expect for me to be like at top tier level. Sure. And so I'm continuously working on my game because you know, even when I'm at the driver range, people are like, oh, that's Ted Rose's granddaughter. And they're looking, and I'm like, oh, my God, I've got all this pressure on me to be a professional golfer. And so the game of golf has been something that I have been intimately involved in since I started playing and started helping my mother run the foundation. But I've also been working with getting some of my sorority sisters Good. and getting more people in our community excited in the game because once they start, they love it. It's Absolutely. just getting them to the course. And so I've been an advocate locally in the Chicagoland area of getting people into the game. And then I also think it's important to give them history, yes. history about my grandfather. He wasn't just a golfer. My golf, my grandfather had a lot of accomplishments over the course of his golfing career. So I think it's important when we're getting people into the game that they also learn the history, who has come before us in the game. And I'm really honored to be the granddaughter of Ted Rhodes. And it's really unique because I did not have an opportunity to meet my grandfather before he passed away. Mm -hmm. So he made his transition in 1969. I was mm -hmm. born in 1972. Mm -hmm. So we didn't have a chance to meet, but I've lived the story through my mom. Mm -hmm. And I feel like even though I haven't met him, like I've met him, just mm -hmm. hearing the trials and tribulations that he went through, hearing about how he was such a great man. Mm -hmm. And so it's really impressed me and really wanted me to do even more to keep his legacy alive and, again, help move the game of golf forward by getting more diversity in the game. Yeah, Tiffany, such a really, really good point, and I think it's a great segue. Um, certainly those of us who have been in this sport and maybe we can say are old enough, whatever mm -hmm. the definition of that may be, know who your grandfather is and who he was mm -hmm. to this space today where where people of color are playing golf. Definitely African Americans and black folk, but certainly people of color because your grandfather really was part of that group of golfers that stood at the door until the door ultimately opened. Yes. So talk to us, particularly those listeners who are not as familiar with uh, with those of us about about Mr. Ted Rhodes, talk to us about him and what are some of his most impactful achievements on and off the course? And you mentioned that he wasn't just a golfer, so talk to us about that. Well, you know, it's interesting because as I've learned the history about my grandfather, I am in awe of all of the accomplishments that he made over the course of his, what we call a shorter career in the game of golf. But there are a few that I would like to highlight during our conversation today. The first one is my grandfather is the first African-American in the modern era to play in the U.S. Open. He played in the U.S. Open in 1948, and I had the privilege of going to the U.S. Open in 2022 because they honored him in the USGA Museum. Yes. So they had a whole spread about all of the pioneers that had paid in the U.S. Open, and my grandfather was one of those individuals. So they had a 
picture of him. We donated some of his golf clubs so they could showcase that. I actually had an opportunity to talk with some people coming through the museum about my grandfather, about the foundation and the work, you know, that my grandfather had done. And so I was really excited about that piece. So the U.S. Open is pivotal. We know that John Shippen was the first in the 1800s to play in the U.S. Open. But for my grandfather to be one of the first in the modern era, I think, is outstanding. Secondly, Tiger Woods mentioned my grandfather Mm -hmm. as one of the golf pioneers that paved the way for him to play golf when he won his first Masters tournament. Mm -hmm. And that was really exciting for me and my mom. Even when Tiger was on Oprah, my mom was in the audience, and he talked about Ted Rhodes and Charlie Sifford and all the people who had paved the way for him to play golf. So to hear my grandfather's name in that group, I was just really excited. And also my mom had an opportunity to meet Tiger, and he talked about how he had studied video of my grandfather's game. And they had similar height, similar build. So he had actually done his research, and I was really excited because his father, Earl Woods, was the one that educated him about my grandfather and the other golf pioneers. The other thing I'd like to mention, Victor, is my grandfather won over 150 golf tournaments during the course of his career, and most of those tournaments were through the UGA, the United Golfers Association, so he was a tough person to meet, and some of the top-tier golfers, even in the PGA, talked about how solid his skills were and Mm -hmm. that he could compete with the best of them. The other thing I'd like to mention is my grandfather led a group of golfers to take the PGA to court so that blacks could play the game. There was a Caucasian-only rule. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my grandfather didn't let that stop him from playing the game of golf, but he felt like we need to do something because we deserve to be on the golf course as well. So he actually led that group. They actually won the golf course. They won the suit, yep. the golf suit. I'm yep. calling it golf golf lawsuit. <laughs> and then they made them invitationals. But, you know, that was something where he was a leader and got this group together to take the PGA to court. So I think that's definitely worth mentioning. There is also a golf course named after my grandfather in Nashville, Tennessee. The city of Nashville was looking at who to rename this Cumberland golf course after. And my grandfather was from the Nashville area, and there were people that lobbied for him because of his accomplishments in the game of golf to have this golf course named after him. And it's a pretty golf course. The golf course is a city course, but if you were to see it, you would think it was out in the suburbs. People come from the suburbs to actually play at this golf course. The golf course is located right down the street from Tennessee State University, Fish University and Meharry University. So it's in a very historical area, and that is one of the courses that we use to host our annual golf outing, which we'll right. talk a little bit about later. The other thing I want to mention about my grandfather is he believed in mentoring, coaching golfers and up-and-coming golfers. He was actually the golf coach to boxer Joe Lewis. I didn't know that. And they had a great relationship, and the relationship was built upon, you know, Joe had status, and everybody loved Joe, so he could get in at these golf courses, and my grandfather and the other group couldn't. So Joe said, you know, I tell you what, you teach me how to play golf, and I'll pay for you to play in these tournaments, because even now, you know, you have to pay right. to play. And right. back then, you know, they couldn't afford to, to pay right. to play in these tournaments. So Joe Lewis said, if you teach me how to play golf, I will pay for you. And that was their relationship. So they traveled together, and Joe got them in some tournaments that they normally wouldn't be able to get into. But Joe would come to Nashville 
and my grandfather spent time teaching him. And as many know, Joe was actually a really great he, golfer. He, he almost had golfer. another career after <laughs> yes. boxing. So they had a really great relationship. My grandfather also was the mentor and coach to Lee Elder who is a very close friend of ours. And for those that may not have heard of Lee Elder, he's the first African-American to play in the Masters mm-hmm. tournament. And he transitioned just a couple years mm-hmm. ago. But they had a really great relationship. He would come to Nashville as well for coaching and mentoring. And then Charlie Sifford, my grandfather mentored and coached him, and Althea Gibson, who was a famous mm-hmm. tennis player who ended up playing Play golf. golf. So he mentored and coached a lot of people. The last thing I want to mention here is that my grandfather was a snazzy, or what I call a sharp dresser, and he was ranked in the top 10 best-dressed golfers by GQ magazine. Now, for those of us that have been around for a while, we know GQ is the epitome of fashion. It is. And they did a specific article. I actually reached out to the writer of that article. He was honored that I reached out to him. He said, oh, no, we were giving your grandfather's name he was like in the top five of that list because he, even though he didn't have a lot of money, he believed that you had to look well and dress sharp when you were on the golf course because you were representing yourself yep. and you were representing your people. And so his outfits were always sharp. They called him Theodore Rags Ted Rose. And it wasn't Rags that because his clothes were old. It was because his clothes were sharp. Right. And he would sometimes change outfits after playing nine holes, or he could play in an all-white golf outfit and not have a speck of dirt on him. So he believed in having sharp clothes, sharp shoes, and he worked with the money that he had yep. to make sure when he showed up at the golf course that he looked his best. That <laughs> is a phenomenal <laughs> overview of who many of us are familiar with, but certainly did not know the depth. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't aware that he was mentor to those that you shared with us. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so for the T Degree in God podcast community, I am aware through social media that some of you share these with your children. And so I would ask, you know, early in the episode that if you have your son or daughter at your side, please keep them close to you because we're just getting started. Tiffany, the foundation continues his legacy and it is a powerful one as we've just learned. Yes. How long has it been in, in existence? The foundation was started in 1993 by okay. my so we've been so around for a long years, time yeah. by my mother Peggy Rhodes White and what she wanted to do was to keep her father's memory alive but also let the world know about his accomplishments and the mark that he made in the game of golf and she felt that the foundation would be the vehicle in which we could do it because you hear about a lot of the golfers that were still living. My grandfather transitioned in 1969, so there's not a lot of fanfare about him because nobody recently has seen him play golf. And so she felt that it was important that we start this foundation because, A, we wanted to obviously honor his legacy, celebrate it, and keep his memory alive, but we also wanted to help move the game of golf forward by diversifying the game of golf. And she felt that this foundation would give us the ability to do so. So she is the founder and the CEO 
of the foundation and I am the president run the day to, she's run it for so long I said you know what let me step up right. <laughs> and do more to help you know take the foundation to the next mm -hmm. level good R really really good and and that's that's so important um for the continuance of his legacy mm -hmm. that you are now in the modern day of golf where golf's doors have opened wider than they've ever been for golfers of color and and even more specific those black golfers mm -hmm. who for so long fought for us to be able to do what we are actually doing today. Yes. And and I know that many of us applauded Tiger when he openly gave acknowledgement mm -hmm. during a period that that quite honestly may have cracked the door mm -hmm. and and brought us to where we are today. Mm -hmm. Staying with the foundation, can you talk to us about the foundation's mission and its focus? The mission and the focus is, you know, essentially to honor and celebrate the legacy of my grandfather, Ted Rhodes. But what we are also doing is carrying out his vision of making the game of golf open to all races. When my grandfather played the game of golf, there was the Caucasian-only rule, and they had to really fight to be able to compete and play in these tournaments. And we want to honor his vision by getting more of our youth into the game of golf. And we are doing that by a couple of different things. We are supporting the historically black colleges and university golf teams. And, you know, they're also known as HBCU schools. And, you know, HBCUs are very important to my mother as well as myself. I am a alum of Clark Atlanta University in Atlanta, Georgia. My mother attended Tennessee State University. I have family that attended Fisk University. And we are excited that there are still some golf teams left at the right. HBCU schools. Many of them have fallen by the wayside. But one of our main focus is, is to support the HBCU golf teams. And we've built an excellent relationship with Fisk University, which, as I mentioned earlier, is right down the street from the Ted Rose Golf Course. And so we donate money to this program. We know the golf coach, Coach Robert Moore, and we really believe that in order for these teams to stay alive and do well, they need financial support. <laughs> and as many HBCU schools need, Absolutely. sports athletics programs don't have big budgets. And we have donated almost $17,000 to the Fisk University Golf Program and looking to quadruple that mm. donation. But mm. that's something that we are very passionate about. But also giving these students an opportunity to develop mm -hmm. as well. So we'll talk more a little bit about that later. The other piece of the focus of the foundation is to support junior golf programs. So as we think about moving the game of golf forward, it starts with our youth. We have to build a pipeline of our youth that can go into professional golfer roles, that can work in the industry, the golf industry. And so we feel that we have to start with them. And so we've built some great relationships with First Tee programs in different cities and different states. In the Chicagoland area, we've dealt a great relationship with the First Tee of Greater Chicago. Nice. And also our neighbor is the First Tee of Lake County, which is in northwest Indiana, in Hammond, Indiana. Mm -hmm. We've also built an excellent relationship with the First Tee program in Tennessee as well. And so what we do is we host 
golf tournaments for our youth between the ages of 5 to 18 years old because we think that it's important that they get competitive playing experience. It's one thing to take some golf lessons, but if you don't have the ability to apply it and compete, then it doesn't help you build your skills. And that's what will get them excited and want to maybe be the next Tiger Woods. Correct. And so we think it's important that we give them opportunities to do so. So we have them come, we pair them with people that are in their age group, and we give them prizes and awards. And what we've also added is a Toastmasters piece. So for those of you that may not have heard of Toastmasters, Toastmasters is an international organization that helps you enhance your communication and leadership skills. So what we're doing this year is we're rolling out the Youth Leadership Program for these first T chapters. So these students will have an opportunity to learn about how to be an effective communicator. They will be given speeches on different topics to help them be prepared for interviews, for jobs, for internships, for college. We think it's important that our youth know how to stand, know how to look you in the eye, know how to communicate effectively so that they will be successful in whatever they decide to do. So we've added that career piece because we feel that in order for them to get in the industry, they need to be able to interview so that they can get that internship with the USGA or with the PGA. And right now, fortunately, there are a lot more internship programs dedicated to diverse youth, African-American, Hispanic, and Latino youth, which I think is a great thing. We didn't have these opportunities when I was in college. And so we think it's important that we prepare them. And my mother and I both, distinguished Toastmasters. So we've completed all of the certifications for Toastmasters, and so we are running those programs. So that is another part of our initiative. So in addition to keeping Ted Rose's legacy alive, we are preparing our youth, communication, leadership skills, teaching them how to compete, and we work with some great people. We also do golf clinics, and we have some great coaches that work partner with us so that, you know, for instance, we last summer we did a golf clinic for students at the Chicago Public Schools. And these were all male students. They were in elementary school. And we brought them out to this beautiful golf course, taught them about golf etiquette, talked to them about the history of golf as well. And so we want to do more of that. That is outstanding. And I know through some of social media, there are those of you that will listen to the episode and really curious about how do we get our kids involved in competitive environments that develop them not only athletically as a golfer, but develop them and their soft skill set as a burgeoning human being. And so I would encourage you all to please connect with the Ted Rhodes Foundation. Uh, Tiffany and the Foundation is available on Instagram, and and we'll have her outline that Instagram handle later in the episode. But it is clear that the Ted Rhodes Foundation is investing intimately in, in evolving communities of color in a way that just hasn't been normal or standard to, to, to evolving those individuals for a very, very long period of time. And Toastmasters and, and some of these areas, uh, certainly if you're in Metro Chicago, 
Um, Tiffany lives in Metro Chicago, and so um, it's right in your backyard. They are well situated in it in, in Tennessee, and I know that there are some people in Memphis that have expressed concern about that. So, so keep an eye on Nashville, and then and then we'll talk about the foundation's presence in in Metro Atlanta um, later on in the episode as well. So really, really, really good stuff on how the foundation is carrying out Mr. Rhodes' legacy. But given that, um, Tiffany, if mm-hmm. there's any piece of the carrying out of his legacy mm-hmm. that hasn't been covered, can you please fill in those gaps? You know, I think the other piece of this is connecting our youth to development opportunities. And so we've been in conversation with the PGA who's looking at how do we develop, for instance, the golf team members at Fisk University. How can we develop them so that they can compete with some of, let's say, the PWI schools? And how do we develop their golf skills to take them to the next level so they can compete in maybe some of these amateur tournaments? And so I think that's the other piece of it, too, because it's one thing to be on a golf team. And, you know, your coach can only do so much for you, but you need that broader exposure and that broader training. And we've been in conversation with someone at the PGA in terms of player development. How do we develop these students? And then how do we give them opportunities to – impress upon them of all the great things you can do in the golf industry. Because I think, you know, students are not, they think, okay, I'll play golf in college and then I'll go on and go into banking and go into some other career. They don't realize that, okay, if you don't necessarily want to be a professional golfer, there's so many other aspects. You can work in the corporate office and marketing, finance. You could help with the rules committee. You can help at the events without actually playing. But there are so many different facets to it that are you for just not aware of? And so we want to be able to make that connection, connection with the USGA. You know, maybe students could help at the U.S. Open, and there's internships there. So I think it's, you know, connecting students to the individuals that they can network with to kind of take it to the next level and broaden their exposure. I think that's the biggest piece because that's helping keeping my grandfather's legacy alive by keeping these students and our youth in the golf industry to help push. Because I think with this generation, there is a sense of, hey, we fight for what we believe in, and now they can do it via social media. And so I think by getting more of them involved, it opens the door for more opportunities for people to get at that senior level at the USGA or the PGA of America. You know, and even peripherally, I know that Callaway Golf is actively looking to change what was probably a traditional structure for themselves. Mm-hmm. If I'm not mistaken, they have hired somebody as maybe VP of DEI, mm-hmm. so to, to really lead that for themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that True Golf is probably expanding mm-hmm. how we've known them of what we've known True Golf to be, mm-hmm. which has just been a destination. Yes. I think they're doing some things differently. And yes. Then, and then certainly Club Core. Um, Club Corps has, yes. has decided to expand in a way that that is not just about um, behind the scenes mm-hmm. buying golf courses mm-hmm. and kind of driving private membership. Yes. So, so to your point, um, 
playing golf in college uh, as a as a student of color, partic- particularly Latino or African American, mm-hmm. is great. Mm-hmm. But you don't have to leave the sport even when your eligibility ends. Correct. And I think some of these organizations are creating spokes. Yes. And I think that player development initiative that you all have through the foundation mm-hmm. will will definitely uh, lead to continuing to to grow Mr. Rhodes' legacy in, in that sort of way. So that's, that's actually good stuff. Um, we've talked a ton already, but mm-hmm. but maybe let's hone in mm-hmm. on some of the programs and tournaments mm-hmm. hosted and sponsored by the foundation. Mm-hmm. I'm excited because we have a very busy year. <laughs> and every year, you know, we're looking That's to good. expand, Victor, because <laughs> we have to take this brand across the country. That's our goal is to take it across the country. And so this year we have very exciting events that I want to highlight for our listeners First event I want to mention is the 54th Ted Rose Golf Classic, which will be held September 9th and 10th at the Ted Rose Golf Course in Nashville, Tennessee. As you can hear, we've been doing this event for 54 years. And this is, I would say, our signature event of the year because we can do it at the golf course named after my grandfather. It is a charity amateur event, and we have people come from all over the country to play in this event. And this is a big fundraiser so that we can give Fisk University a big donation, so that we can give the First Tee Program significant donations. So not only do we golf, right, it's a great golf course, but we also have great food, we have fun, and we gave great gifts to the golfers, and we have people that have been coming back and coming back, and we truly appreciate people's support. This year, we say, you know, welcome back, come back, and we welcome new people to come. We have several different divisions, so male and females are more than welcome to attend, and we break it out based on age. So we have a category for people 60 and under. We don't want to forget about our seasoned people. So we have a senior amateur category for 60 to 69 years of age. We have a super senior for our more seasoned, seasoned people, 70-plus that are still playing. And they play very well. They sometimes can beat some of the other people. And then we have a female category as well. And so I would encourage people to join us this year. Again, Nashville is a fantastic southern city, great southern hospitality, and we just have a great time. So let let me just pause on that for a moment what are those dates the dates are september saturday september 9th and sunday september 10th two days 18 hold 36 hold <laughs> yes so so for the community yes about five months five and a half months of head of leeway time yes let's do our part with our children, with that younger group, to 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 support this event um, in a way and in a community that really allows us to acknowledge um, one of the founders, one of the leaders, for really going to going to bat for us and allowing us to play the game the way we do. So again, September 9th and 10th in Nashville. And and I know that Tiffany, uh, as we get further into the episode, will give us the URL for the foundation, and I'm sure that's where we can capture a little bit more. Outstanding. More more tournaments. Yes, more tournaments. The second one I want to highlight is the Ted Rose Junior Golf Tournament, which will be held June 10th at Sugar Creek Golf Course 
in the Atlanta, Georgia area. We're really excited about this. This is a partnership with the First Tee of Atlanta, and we're working with Nairi on this, and we're really excited because we wanted to take this on the road, and we thought Atlanta, given the history of Atlanta, I went to school in Atlanta. We just felt like we had to take it to Atlanta. So we're excited about that one. So that one, again, is for kids that are between the ages of 5 to 18. And so we'll give you information later on on where to find information about that particular one. Our next youth event is the Ted Rose Junior Championship, and that will be held August 12th at the Lost Marsh Golf Course in Hammond, Indiana. Hammond, Indiana is about really 10, 15 minutes from Chicago, the south side of Chicago. And it's a beautiful golf course. They actually have their own youth golf course. So the students will be playing there. And this is a great partnership with the First Tee of Greater Chicago and the First Tee program in Lake County. So this is one that we've been doing for many years. And we have children that come from all over. With all of these events, as I talk about them, you don't have to be in the First Tee program to participate. It's open to all youth. So we encourage those that are not to come because we really use these events too. They're pipelines for the First Tee programs. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we encourage those that are not a part of a youth program to definitely come out and participate. The next one I want to highlight is the Ted Rose Junior Golf Clinic and Tournament, September 9th at the Vinnie Lynx Golf Course in Nashville, Tennessee. And this is the home of the First Tee of Tennessee. And so we will have kids between the age of 5 to 18, and many are in the First Tee of Tennessee. And one thing I will say, you mentioned Memphis earlier. The First Tee of Tennessee spans the entire state. So when we've done this event in the past, we have students from Memphis, from Knoxville, from Chattanooga, from all areas of Tennessee that come and participate. So we're going to start the day with the junior golf clinic for those students in the area that have no exposure to the game of golf. And then for those that will be competing, we'll be doing that in the afternoon. So we're really excited about that. And we're doing this the same weekend as the 54th Ted Rose Golf Classic. So we're really capitalizing on that weekend. And then the last thing, as I mentioned briefly earlier, Earlier, we're doing these Toastmaster Youth Leadership. And one thing I want to say about those programs, given that we're in the, you know, the pandemic age is what, remote. You do everything mm-hmm. remote so you can capture a larger audience. So these are actually remote. So we're doing these Toastmaster Youth Leadership sessions on Zoom. And so we're going to be rolling these out to more communities. So we're starting with the Chicagoland area and Tennessee and then we'll be branching out with those programs. So we normally can take up to 20 students for that. There's no cost for the parents or the youth to, to participate in that youth leadership training. So more to come on that piece, but we do them on Zoom so that more people can participate and they don't have to be in the city in which we're doing it to participate. That's huge. I mean, as, as we all know, oftentimes the, the unspoken value of an opportunity is how well you present yourself. Yes. And, and and subsequent to that is not just what people see, it's what they hear and how they hear you. Yes. And so embedding and nurturing the ability to speak along with helping them with their posture, but in this case, remotely helping them speak mm-hmm. gives them, gives them, gives them value in in ways that they may not be able to measure right now. 
Exactly. And, you know, I really have a passion for preparing our youth. And I think it's given my experience working at J.P. Morgan Chase as a diversity recruiter, mm -hmm. head of diversity recruiting, because oftentimes I would interview students from colleges or high schools, and I would always think, God, if I had met them three weeks ago, mm -hmm. I could have better prepared them for the job search process or just networking because, you know, even – you know this, being in a fraternity, even when people, you're considering people for a scholarship, many cases they have to go through an interview. Correct. And, you know, the better that you can sell and market yourself, the more opportunities that you will have. So right. that's something, being a career coach, that's something that's near and dear to my heart. Excellent, excellent. Let's, let's go back. Let's go back a little bit and then come to present day. Mm-hmm understanding the less than supportive environment mm -hmm. that Mr. Rhodes experienced during his playing days, how do you think he would respond today? You know, that's a great question because it's not, it's like night and day. If you think about it yeah. now, are we where we really should be? Not totally. It's, there's still a lot of work that needs to be done, but there has been progress. So I think that my grandfather would be happy to see that there are more African-Americans playing golf at the competitive level. So if we look at Harold Varner, we look at Tiger Woods, and there's so many other people, that some of the folks on the PGA Tour, correct. that, you know, Tim O'Neill and some correct, of those correct. folks. Yeah, yeah. And Tim O'Neill used to play in our golf tournament back in the day. But, you know, I, I think he would be very excited to see that there are more African-Americans playing, that they can play, right? Mm -hmm. There's no Caucasian-only rule. I think that he would encourage, you know, as you think about how, you know, what would he say for people today? And I think he would encourage people that want to play golf competitively to really hone their craft and be the absolute best golfer that they can be. Because that's one of the things that he did, even though he had minimal resources, he didn't have a golf coach, right. you know, but to practice all of the time and to put themselves in situations where they can enhance their skills, which is competing, yeah. you know, and playing, you know, with different people at different levels to be focused. He was solely focused on being a golfer. Like, he did nothing else. Yeah. And so I know that there are many people, and many of the, the guys in the APGA, like, this is, like, their mm -hmm. full-time thing. So mm -hmm. they practice, they compete in every tournament that's out there because they want to get better. And mm -hmm. now they can hire a golf coach, right, because you can get a sponsorship, you know, to be able to do that. But I think that would be one of the things because – he always prided himself on being ready, and people complimented him, African-American people as well as Caucasian people, to say, oh, well, he was really good. Mm -hmm. And he took the time out to make sure that he was ready for the tournament. And if that meant he had to practice at Nazem all day, every day that week, he would do what he had to do to be able to play in the U.S. Open in 1948. Yeah, and, I, and, and Tiffany, I think that's one of the amazing stories behind the – kind of the silent conversations that that uh, Mr. Rhodes mm -hmm. and, and Mr. Elder mm -hmm. and that group had mm -hmm. that ultimately led to um, to the lawsuit. And I also think that when you read deeper in the annals of golf history, you listen to or you see the Jack Nicklauses, the, the Arnold Palmers, um, the Lee Trevinos, mm -hmm. They talk about how legitimately competitive 
your grandfather was with them. Right. <laughs> and so, you know, putting that work in and practicing, it clearly paid off for him. Mm-hmm. We under, we clearly understand what his obstacle was. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, n- not something that was brought on by himself. Mm-hmm. But, I, but I think the practice kind of ad nauseum, which is a relative term for many of us today. Yes. But but then compete. Yes. Um, I, I think that's something that we can take away. And I think for many of us, myself included, that that competes on these amateur tours, mm-hmm. um, this certainly can serve as a nugget of inspiration for us as we look to win our club championship or look to win you know, the Southeast region or the Midwest region. So, so I, I, I like that and, and encourage the, the audience to, to really, really embrace that and, and apply it in a way that is uniquely yours. Yeah, and the other thing I would mention, you know, he played in the U.S. Open. Did he win? No, but that experience and yeah. played and competing at that level Absolutely. helped prepare him for the rest of his career because you figure that was 1948 he passed away in 1969 he had all that additional time to you know to play and hone that skill and to have that tournament as part of his resume and bio is you know fantastic one thing I want to mention is that my grandfather was a very easygoing kind of guy and you know although Victor he faced all of those obstacles he continued to play the game he loved he kept a positive attitude, and he was friendly and professional. You know, he could have been a mean man given all that he had to go. You know, they would go to courses, and there'd be horse manure put on the course, or they'd show up and they'd see they're black and say that, you know, they can't play. But he didn't let that affect his game. He felt that, as, as, we, as many of us believe, our thoughts control our experience. And so if he thought about those things negatively, it would have affected his play and affected how he played in these tournaments and these different events. And he always felt that, you know, I'm going to continue to be who I am, which is a positive person, and know that I'm going to use the wisdom that I have to be able to get through all of these experiences. And I think that says something because, you know, oftentimes we hear about athletes and they talk about their negative attitude and and how that affects their game. And my grandfather, I mean, if you think about the core of when he was playing, I mean, it was the worst time to be wanting to play golf because it was segregation going on. And so he could have just said, the heck with golf. I'm done with that. I want to do something else. You know? And, and I think I think it's uh, it's another point to to not lose sight of. It's the it's it's the uh, the strength of character and it is the dignity and integrity of those before you yes and you understanding that you are their legacy yes um and so i that resonates with me as someone who had the the blessing of growing up with my great grandfather Mm -hmm. who passed away when i was 20 so i had legitimate time with my great grandfather Mm -hmm. um and then to see his children uh, my grandparents mom's uncles to see how um, he carried himself mm-hmm. and then they carried themselves. Yes. It had a huge impact on myself and my siblings. Mm-hmm. And so I think that piece, um, and I think that you've done a really good job of projecting that forward to mm-hmm. 
today's athletes, mm-hmm. it can't be uh, can't be lost. Probably something we need to embrace all over again is that adversity is life, mm-hmm. but 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 really the content of your character prevails. I totally agree. And the other thing too is you know as we think about advice for people going forward is you know I think my grandfather would say don't give up. Mm. You know, that's what he would say. Stick with it. If this is something mm. you're very passionate about, you know, because, you know, oftentimes people have one adversity. They're like, I'm done. You know, and you think about what my grandfather, the golfers of his day, Martin Luther King, people like they had a lot of adversity, mm-hmm. but they didn't give up. It was actually a challenge to right, say, right. you know what, I'm going to keep pushing forward because I believe in what I want to do. And that was something, you know, my grandfather said, you know, I love the game of golf. And I think the other thing he would say is, you know, you deserve to be at the table, which means fight for what you believe in. And there's a way to fight for what you believe in that's professional. (laughs) And that speaks about your character to get your message across. But again, to your earlier point, to inspire, encourage others that are coming after you. Because, you know, we still talk about Ted Rose. We still talk about Martin Luther King and the poise that they had, even though people were talking about them, there were mean things said about them. And and I know we're in a new day and age because you have social media, right? right? We didn't have that back then, thank God. But, you know, stick for what you believe in and stay positive because that positivity is what will keep you going. Excellent, excellent, excellent. And then transitioning even more, you and your mother have a long relationship with this sport. How has the sport impacted your life and who you've ultimately become? Um, is there anything, value, quote, experiences um, specific to the question that stands out and that you would offer and encourage our listeners to embrace and imply? You know, as I think about this, we have been involved in the golf industry for many years now. And, you know, honestly, Victor, it hasn't been easy. Two African-American females running an organization named after a male in the South. <laughs> we, we, we've definitely had some challenges because there are people that feel like, okay, even though we are descendants of Ted Rhodes, but they feel like men should be running, you know, this organization. And so my mother has really persevered and persisted to run this organization. And I think that's something that I've learned from her, (laughs) is that, you know, when you are involved in something that you're very passionate about, you have to be persistent. You have to have perseverance. You can't give up despite all of the obstacles that you're going through. I mean, there were many people in Nashville that didn't want to support us because we were women. (laughs) And even though my grandfather grew up there, they felt that we weren't the ones that should be running the foundation. They should be doing it. But we, and we could have given up. We could have said, you know what? We're going to let them have it. But we believed in my grandfather and the Mm -hmm. impact that he made on the game of golf. It was bigger than Nashville, Mm -hmm. Tennessee. And we knew that we'd have people supporting us. And we continue to push forward even to this day. It is a job for us that we don't get paid for, but we, we really are passionate about you know getting the word out there about my grandfather. Because when I see so many people talk about black historians, you know, a lot of times they don't mention my grandfather. You know, we just had Black History Month. I look at some of the 
the networks and they're featuring people. And I say, you know, they don't feature Ted Rose because they don't know about Ted Rose. So it's our responsibility to persevere and be persistent, to network and to get the name out there. So that would be the biggest lessons that I would give for people. Persist, persevere, do not give up on anything that you have a passion for because what you need will come. And, you know, my mother and I are very spiritual people, and we believe that everything happens at the right time, and you'll get what you'll need. You'll get the resources. You'll get people to help you move the idea forward. You'll get the energy because we have to have the energy, the stamina, and enthusiasm to do this work. It's not easy work when you are representing a legend that's no longer with us. Because I can't take this legend to a meet and greet. (laughs) Nobody can meet this individual. He's not here to talk for himself, but we are here to do that as family of Ted Rhodes. And so I have learned to be, you know, stronger to continue to fight for what I believe in and to find the people that can help us move the idea forward. And and we've been blessed. We've had so many people that have reached out to us to help in the efforts of running, you know, the foundation or just trying to support in some way or fashion. So we really appreciate those people, but it definitely has not been easy. And so I would tell people, don't give up, keep pushing forward, stay positive, but have a strategy. We actually thought about, okay, what is the best way to move this idea forward in terms of the foundation and all of the initiatives that we have? And we have a strategy put in place to do that. So I think that's the important piece. You have to have a plan. And you have to be able to represent yourself in a professional level. And that's something that my grandfather, you know, obviously he was a consummate professional. And my mother and I both have a background working in corporate America. And we bring that business sense into running this foundation. And then what the skills that we don't have, then we find out who we can connect with to teach us and or help us to do it. So I think you've got to have the right people around you. You have to have the right attitude. You have to have a strategy. And you can't give up on yourself. Phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal. You shared how and where, and I'm going to actually piggyback something, uh, a nugget that you gave us early in in our conversation. Mm -hmm. And that nugget is really about expansion. Uh, You shared how and where, the foundation is continuing Mr. Rhodes' legacy. What is the future of the foundation? What are you all thinking about in terms of geographical geographical expansion? And are there any other strategic moves that you all have on on the plan for, for go forward? Great question, Victor. We every year look at, you know, how can we take the organization to the next level? And here are just a few things that we're doing to really expand our reach, one of which is to expand our junior tour. So now, you know, we're in several cities already, but we really would like to take this tour across the country. And so as we think about, you know, we started in the Midwest, obviously. I'm based here in Chicago, and we have, obviously, Nashville as one of our sites that we do events 
currently, but we also looked at, okay, where else in the South could we delve a little deeper? And Atlanta obviously came to mind. I talked about that earlier, but we would like to expand throughout the South. You know, we've had conversations with with someone in Jackson, Mississippi, about doing a tournament there, partnering with them, but we really would like to take it across the country because I think it's important, A, that we give our youth an opportunity to compete, but to share the story about Ted Rhodes, about the black history in golf, because it's not something just to want to play golf. You need to know the history and who came before you. And so that is one of our key initiatives is to expand our junior tour to other cities across the country. We also want to expand our adult tournament. We've been doing it in Nashville for many years, and we will continue to do it there to pay homage to the golf course named after my grandfather. But we also host events, an adult tournament in Chicago area, but we'd like to take that on the road. We'd like to do one in Atlanta. We'd like to do one in, you know, the the major markets across the country because here again, we're spreading the word about Ted Rhodes. We're fundraising. And so we think it's important that we get out across the country to have more people learn about the foundation, the work that we're doing, and to participate in that as well. So we definitely would love to take that. One of the places that we have talked about is California. My grandfather played at the Riviera Golf Course, which is very well known. Absolutely. And we're like, we'd love to do something there one year. So that's something, too, where we want to expand the adult tournament. So we do several of them throughout the country to spread the word, to fundraise, and to, you know, have people involved in the great work that we're doing. The other piece is related to our HBCU schools. Mm. So what we want to do is we want to, and we're actually going to do it this year. We're starting out, but we're hiring some HBCU students to help us at our 54th Ted Rhodes Golf Classic in Nashville. And so we think it's important. There's the University of Maryland Eastern Shores program. So we're going to have some students come and help us. But we'd like to hire some HBCU students to help us in different aspects of our organization, whether that's social media, whether it's tournament management. We could have them come and help at the golf tournament, whether that's help us find more creative ways to market from an electronic perspective. (laughs) But we want to engage and hire our youth to give them more exposure to the golf industry. We are also looking to do more HBCU scholarships. So we've given scholarships to a young man named Abdel Raul, who's from Chicago, that's on the Texas A&M, Texas Southern, excuse me, let me clarify. Texas Southern University. Oh, yes. <laughs> Texas <laughs> people are going to get me because yes. Texas is a very competitive market yes, for colleges. So the Texas Southern golf team. But we want to give out HBCU scholarships every year for students that are on the HBCU golf teams okay. because we know going to college can be a challenge and having financial backing is important. And so we will every year be giving out an HBCU scholarship to someone on the golf team at one of the HBCU schools. So we think that piece is pivotal. Good. And then the last piece is related to donation. So we are a foundation, and so we do give funds to organizations. And so we'd love to quadruple our donations. Like our goal this year is to give Fisk University 15000 so last year we gave them 7500 You know, we've doubled that, but we'd like to give them twenty. But it's incumbent on people participating in our events and obviously corporate 
participation. You know, we, we can't do this by ourselves. So in order to be able to give these big donations, we need full foil of golfers and we need corporate sponsorship and individual donors do- donating to our organization. Really, really, really good segue and a great answer to the question. Um, how can our listeners participate and support the foundation? Excellent question. There are numerous ways to support our foundation, and we appreciate all support that is given. We've had numerous people that have stepped up and said, I want to help you out, and I'm not going to charge you anything. Mm -hmm. And so there are numerous ways to support. Obviously, the first way is to donate to the foundation through our website, tedroads.org, and that's T-E-D-R-H-O-D-E-S dot o-r-g we have a donate tab on our site and we appreciate all donations we are a 501c3 organization so donations are tax deductible so we appreciate any donations that you can provide to us and you can do it through our website also as i mentioned earlier sign up to play in one of our tournaments bring a foursome when you bring a foursome you know, we, we tell our golfers that come every year, bring a, if every golfer brought a foursome, we'd have a full field. Mm-hmm. And so people can help us by signing up to play in our tournament. And, you know, we offer very good pricing for our, our tournaments. And people have a great time as well. So I encourage the fraternities, the sororities, people that are in golf clubs, mm-hmm. schedule us as one of your dates. I know a lot of these clubs have their year-long schedule. Put us down. Victor, I know you're alpha. I'm going to put the alphas on the spot. <laughs> Since I'm AKA, we want to have some more alphas come down. Bros, let's get out. You know, we can have a competition amongst the Divine Nine. Right. But, you know, bring a group to participate in what we're doing. We all, Because, you know, if you think about it, that is our fundraiser. So all funds. And even if people cannot come to the tournament, send us a donation, you know, through our website. The other piece is people can spread the word about the foundation and our events to your friends and family. Maybe there's some folks at your church that play golf and they're looking to to play in an event. Or there's youth in the Sunday school where you'd love to be able to bring a golf clinic to them. We can help you with that. Uh, Perhaps you have an initiative and you say, you know what, I'd like golf to be involved in it. Talk with us. You know, we are a multifaceted organization. And so we have opportunities to participate. If you want to do a golf clinic, we can do that for you. And we have a nominal cost for for golf clinics. So there's a lot of different ways that people can support, you know, our organization. I think, you know, one of the biggest things, as I mentioned before, is just letting people know that we're out there. Good. Very, very, very good stuff. Um, And then the other piece, which we talked about earlier, is the corporate sponsors. And that is a would be a a big asset, you know, to our organization, having corporations that are working with us. We are excited. Troon has partnered with us, so we're really excited that we have a partnership with Troon. We've got Encore Golf that's partnering with us this year, giving us golf balls, and we have Greenwood Mm -hmm. Golf that will also be signing up to give us, you know, golf balls. So there's numerous ways that corporations and philanthropists can support our organization. And, you know, that is really well needed. When you are doing a nonprofit, you need the support of the corporations, you need the support of individuals to help move the ideas forward and to make them a huge success. Excellent. Really, really good good recap. 
Um, for those frat brothers of mine that are listening, uh, our sister put us put us on blast. So for all the alphas out there, we have to show up. Uh, final question, really, really quick, and and you've touched on it um, previously. How can we as a community connect with you and the foundation? I know that there is a URL, but I also know that there's an active Instagram site. Yes. Would you please share that with us today? Yes. So we are on social media, so please connect with us. Our Instagram page is Golf Legend Ted Rhodes, but you can also find us through the Ted Rhodes Foundation because we do have a business page on Instagram. So Ted Rhodes Foundation Connect with us because we post videos, we post information about all of our events there. We are also on Facebook as the Ted Rhodes Foundation, so please connect with us also on Facebook. We are also on LinkedIn as well for my LinkedIn folks, and we you can find us through the Ted Rhodes Foundation. Let me also give you on Instagram my handle, and it is Golfer Girl. So G O L F E R underscore. G-I-R-L is my handle on Instagram. Again, my name is Tiffany White. So please connect with me on Instagram. And then last but not least, but it's still very, very important, is our website. So our website is www.tedroads.com, T-E-D-R-H-O-D-E-S, dot org org and one last thing i want to mention all of our events are in blue golf so for the people that golf and you're used to the blue golf which is an online system where you can find golf events all over the world we have a page the ted Rhodes foundation and all of our golf events are on blue golf and you can search us and it's blue golf so b-l-u-e-g-o-l-f Dot com, and then you can just search us by Ted Rhodes Foundation, and it'll bring up all of the events that we're doing there. So that is our online registration site. Easy, takes you about five minutes to register, and we do put important information on there as well. So I would encourage you to connect with us. Lastly, for my folks that want to talk to us, we want to talk to you too. Give us a call. We have a toll-free number, and that number is area code 877 913 9009 We'd love to connect with you. Victor, I'd really like to thank you for inviting me to participate in your Tea to Green podcast. It's truly been a pleasure for me. And just thank you for the work that you're doing with this podcast because you are educating the masses and giving us information that we normally wouldn't get. So I want to thank you for you taking the time out to come to Chicago. And I was excited to be able to meet you in person. But thank you for the work that you're doing. We appreciate you and keep doing a fantastic job. Tiffany, thank you for spending time with us today. Truly, truly was an informative conversation between you, myself, and the Tita Green Golf Podcast community I feel far more connected to your grandfather, Mr. Ted Rose, than I did prior to us sitting down today. Community, let's wrap around a legend, a founder, someone who broke doors down for many of us, for all of us, to do what we so enjoy doing, whether we're doing that recreationally or whether we're doing that as a living. 
plenty of opportunity for us to connect with the foundation and create pathways to strengthening and continuing the legacy in support of Ted, in support of Tiffany, and in support of Tiffany's mother. Tiffany, again, thank you. As we always say, hit it straight from T to Green. Production support provided by Dominic Fiore in the Digital Audio Recording Arts Department at the University of St. Francis. We are out. Thank you.